Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas co-star in Deep Water, which hits Hulu this weekend. You know, I should have guessed that Hulu would get a movie called Deep Water. After all, it is a streaming service. I'm ashamed of myself. This review is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Visit athleticgreens.com slash Dan, D-A-N, for a free promotional offer. And be sure to stay tuned to the end of this review for more information. Athletic Greens, pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my review of Deep Water, which hits Hulu today. You can watch it right now if you're a subscriber to that service. The movie is co-written by Zach Helm and Sam Levinson, who is the mind behind the white-hot series Euphoria on HBO. The movie is also directed by Adrian Lyne in his first film since 2002's Unfaithful, so his first movie in nearly two decades. Lyne helped to invent the modern erotic thriller, directing titles like Nine and a Half Weeks, Fatal Attraction, and Indecent Proposal. Deep Water is another film that was delayed by the pandemic. It was shot in late 2019, going into early 2020. Then the release date was delayed as movie theaters opened and closed and closed and opened. Then, because it is a 20th Century Studios, formerly 20th Century Fox movie, it was decided that the movie would go direct to Hulu, since Fox is now owned by Disney, and Disney also owns Hulu. It's a great example of corporate synergy, isn't it? This movie was delayed for so long that its two stars, Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas, were able to complete an entire real-life relationship in the time between when the movie stopped filming and when the movie is now being released. Ana de Armas plays Melinda, wife to Ben Affleck's Vic, a retired engineer who designed the computer chips used by drones to carry out their missions. Melinda and Vic's marriage is complicated, to say the least. While Vic is aware that Melinda prefers the company of other men, there also appears to be an unwritten rule that Melinda is not allowed to actually consummate any of these affairs. However, she seems intent to flaunt this arrangement in Vic's face at every opportunity, and it soon becomes clear that her assurances that that she hasn't bedded any of her male companions are just completely false. And if you've always dreamed of a movie where you get to watch Ben Affleck get repeatedly cuckolded, then Deep Water is the movie for you, and you also have very specific movie requests. We really need to talk about that. About two-thirds of Deep Water's runtime consists of Melinda telling Vic how bored she is by him, then brazenly bringing her new lovers over to their house, accompanied by shots of Vic glowering unapprovingly either into or out of various windows. Windows, then Vic vaguely threatening Melinda's new boyfriends, and then Melinda using Vic's jealousy to tease him into thinking that she actually wants to have sex with him. The erotic part of this erotic thriller is very obvious because every single one of the main characters is, not to put too fine a point on it, extremely horny and not shy about telling people that they are. It's the thriller part where I think it gets a little dicey with this film. I think the first third or so of the movie is intriguing because it sets up an interesting question. When Vic is vaguely or sometimes outright threatening these different boyfriends of Melinda's, is he putting up a front or is he a real threat to them? Because Melinda has a history of being with guys who seem to either leave town quickly or mysteriously disappear. It is an interesting question that then gets answered about halfway through the film and then it just sort of spins its wheels for a while. We get to see Vic's snail collection. There's some Men that kind of come in and out of the house. It's sort of in a rush to ask all of these questions and then sort of answers it somewhat abruptly and then doesn't quite know what to do for a while and then kind of rushes to the end. You wish that I were normal, Melinda? My God, all the time. As if I were normal, I don't think Joel would be over here having dinner with us. 
I actually found it exceedingly hard to believe why either one of these two people in the marriage would think that the other one is worth the trouble. There is some lip service paid to the concept that they don't want to break up their family, they have a young daughter, but at the same time, Melinda is never really shown to appreciate being a mom at all. As a matter of fact, she seems very annoyed by their child, except for the third act when she has to not be annoyed by their kid in order for certain plot things to unfold. And that's another thing where you have so much time in this movie that I think was wasted on unnecessary stuff that you could have made this a much more interesting character study on these two, but instead we kind of know in the middle of the movie the same stuff that we know after 10 minutes and the same stuff that we know 10 minutes before the end. And there are a lot of things in this movie that happen in one of my least favorite ways, which is that they rely on coincidence. There are certain characters who end up in certain places by what seems like complete happenstance, and yet the movie couldn't happen if they didn't just pop up in these different places, despite the fact that it would have been very easy to justify why they are, where they are, when they are, and this kind of smacks of lazy screenwriting, or perhaps a screenplay that really wasn't thinking through all of the different pieces of the story that they're telling. If I had to pick one word to describe Deep Water, it would be sloppy and not in the erotic sense that you might be thinking. There are some plot threads that are introduced and then abandoned. I mean, there are enough Chekhov's guns in this movie to assemble a Chekhov's arsenal to fight a Chekhov war. And there are some characters like a frustrated local writer who's played by Tracy Letts and Vic's two best friends who just sort of drift by in the breeze that is this movie. And by the end of the movie, I wasn't really sure why some of these characters made the decisions that they made, and it's stuff that could have been informed by what we've just seen over the past two hours, but I don't think really was. I can't really fault the performances because everybody pretty much does what's required of them by the screenplay that was written. Affleck is much less of a player and more of a schemer than his similar role as the husband in a domestic thriller back in 2014's Gone Girl, which took great inspiration from this novel, which was written in 1957. Ana de Armas is both seductive and deeply flawed, though I do wish the movie had focused a little more on the flawed part. The how and why of Melinda was much more interesting to me than her umpteenth iteration of toying with Vic and then seducing her new companions. Now, I would call my personal issues with the film storytelling flaws, screenwriting flaws, but there's something else that I want to address, and it's slightly off topic. It's related to my thoughts on this movie, so indulge me if you will. And it involves something that you may have heard of called film Twitter. Now, I don't really know what the boundaries of film Twitter are. I never really have. I guess it's kind of like the legal definition of pornography. I don't know what it is, but I guess I know it when I see it. Now, as I said before, I don't steep myself in the critical consensus or the thoughts of a movie before I review the movie, but because this happened on social media, a few of these things found their way into my timeline through retweets and trends, etc. And something that I found repeatedly were a lot of people saying that the bugs that I found in this movie were in fact features, that it was supposed to be erratic, that it was supposed to be ridiculous, that it was supposed to be melodramatic, because that's the kind of film that this is. And listen, I understand that argument. I disagree with it, but I completely understand why people would see the film in that way and advocate for it in that sense. And generally, the way that film criticism would work is that you have that discussion and then that's the end of it. But I saw several film critics go even further, which is to say that people who didn't like this movie and particularly critics who didn't like this movie just didn't understand it. They weren't capable of getting what the film was going for. And that, in all 
honesty is my least favorite reaction to someone's opinion who you disagree with. That you are right and that other person is wrong because they just don't get it. And this is particularly galling to me, particularly when it's lobbed from one critic to another, either directly or indirectly, because if we're reviewing films for a living, then I'd like to think that we have a basic understanding of how to watch a film and understand things like tone. And listen, there are a lot of bad movies that people would say are bad that I enjoy. Deep Water's not one of them, but there are plenty of other ones out there. But to step back from this movie a little bit, this inclination to call somebody's opinion who disagrees with you uh, either wrong or that they somehow lack some kind of an expertise is troubling with me. And it's something that I really noticed at the tail end of last year regarding one of the award season favorites this year, Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. And it's actually the reason why I haven't done an official review. I didn't really want to wade into the discourse around this film because there really wasn't much of a discourse going on, at least not from what I I saw. Many critics hailed it as one of the year's best films. Many called it the year's best film, saying that it was a great work from Paul Thomas Anderson. And listen, I get that argument. I don't, not going to stand here and disagree and say that they're wrong for thinking what they're thinking. But I think the conversation around the film often went one step further because I saw a lot of people labeling those who had issues with Licorice Pizza as wrong. That critics of the movie missed the point or didn't understand it or were too prudish or uptight to appreciate the movie. And in a similar vein, I think that there's a trend now to people saying that any critic or person that doesn't like Deep Water similarly just doesn't understand how to enjoy this movie. With Licorice Pizza, there were two things I noticed really that were sort of rallying points for both detractors and defenders of the film. One of them was the fact that there are two scenes in the film where a minor character who is white speaks in a very stereotypical mocking Japanese accent. Now, it is played for laughs, but there were several critics, including many that were of Asian heritage who did not find that part of the film funny. Many of those critics were called humorless and then many other critics who raised concerns about the fact that the movie centers around a proposed relationship between a 25-year-old woman and a 16-year-old high school student are people who just need to have all of the rough edges sanded off their movies. Go watch Disney movies. You obviously can't understand adult fare. You can't understand the nuance that's going into what's happening with P.T. Anderson's movie. Now, for the record, I did have issues with both of those things. They didn't derail my enjoyment of the movie. I would say I liked the movie. It wasn't one of my favorites of last year. And I'm not saying that people who don't have issues are wrong either. I'm saying that this disagreement, this clash, this difference of opinion should be a jumping off point for a discussion about the movie, for a discourse. In my opinion, art exists in large part to generate discussion and debate, and yes, occasionally, controversy. I don't think that there is a right or wrong to how you react to something, and for people that purport to say that they know what the right and the wrong is, particularly those people that say that they're film critics, I think that's doing a disservice to the profession. I think critics exist to be a guidepost, uh, a starting point for discussion, Oftentimes, yes, for people that are wondering if they should go see a movie, I will share what I think about the movie, and I will say I would recommend it, or I wouldn't recommend it. I'll say that it was for me, or it wasn't for me, but you'll rarely, very rarely hear me say that a movie is bad. I'll say that I think it's not very good. I'll say that I didn't like it, but I am not here to be the arbiter of what's good and what's bad. And quite frankly, I don't think that any critic exists to be the arbiter of what's good or what's bad or what parts in a movie should be discussed and what parts shouldn't be discussed. Because the people who didn't like movies like Licorice Pizza or Deep Water have the same right to their opinion 
as the people who did. And one side doesn't get to shout down the other side. Yes, I have spent many, many years studying movies, and I can use that experience to help guide and shape my reviews, to help to contextualize films based on what I've seen. But it's never in the service of telling you what you should like. I am lucky enough to be somebody who gets to share my thoughts and opinions on what excites me or doesn't excite me. And I didn't particularly enjoy Deep Water, especially the second half. I wouldn't recommend it, but it's entirely possible that if you watch it, you will. That's how it works with critics. But I will make you this promise, that no matter what you think about Deep Water, I will not try to convince you that you're wrong. So those are my thoughts on Deep Water, and I guess the state of film criticism in the world today kind of went off on a tangent there. Are you planning to check out the movie? Have you already watched it? Let me know down in the comments below. And as always, thank you for watching me here on the channel. Before we go, I would like to thank the sponsor for this review, which is Athletic Greens. I've been talking about it a lot on the channel lately, and that's because it has become part of my daily routine. Athletic Greens was started by people who wanted to make sure that your body is able to absorb all of the vitamins and nutrients that it needs, but without having to take so many different supplements. It can be expensive and unwieldy. That's where Athletic Greens comes in. It is packed with so many things that your body needs, and it not only has all of these vitamins and minerals, probiotics, so many great things for your body, it also tastes good. How many times have you had a supplement where it just doesn't taste good? You dread drinking it or taking it every morning. That's not the case with Athletic Greens. You can scoop it, put it into a cup of water, you can throw it into a smoothie like I do and have it for breakfast, but it's a great way to start your day, and you get that peace of mind that you're actually giving your body stuff that it needs. I'm focusing a lot on gut health this year in addition to some other stuff, and there's a reason that they call Athletic Greens nutritional insurance. It's because it's giving your body the stuff that it needs to function properly. So many people take some sort of multivitamin, but it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. Plus, Athletic Greens is lifestyle-friendly with less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no artificial anything, while still tasting good. I'd love for you to give Athletic Greens a try and to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com Dan. Again, that's athleticgreens.com Dan to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I want to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring this review and I want to thank you for watching the channel and stay tuned because later today I've got another review coming your way for Ty West splatter horror film from A24X. I don't think you're going to want to miss that review because I have a lot of great stuff to say about that movie. Until then, thanks for watching, stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Bye.